الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليبا كثيرا ما بعد We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly the way he deserves to be praised. We ask Allah to exalt the mansion, grant peace, and send his blessings and salutations upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, upon his companions, and all those who follow them on their path of righteousness until the day of recompense. Uh, brothers and sisters in Islam, Zakam Allah khairan for having me with you. I'm very honored to be with you in this particular event. Uh, the hope and the expectation was to be there uh, physically. However, as you know, that it's not that easy. And so we will settle for the online option for now, uh, asking Allah Azza wa Jal to facilitate an actual visit to, uh, to you know, Bradford, which now has become something relevant to me <laughs> in so many ways for so many different reasons. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. In this case, it's good. You don't even have to know. Uh, however, I'm still happy to be here. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to delve right into the subject matter because long introductions can be a little irritating and cringe sometimes. Um, when we speak about strangers, when we, when we look at any particular term linguistically, whether in the Arabic language or the English language, a lot of things come to mind. Uh, a, lot of thing come, a lot of things come to mind. So the Prophet وسلم, was selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be the final messenger and to be the one who will deliver to us everything that we need to know in order to be saved on the day of resurrection. So there's Jannah and there's Jahannam. And each has its uh, portion of people that will enter it, no doubt. Each already have its portion that will enter it, no doubt. This has been decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we know from the Quran and the Sunnah that there are certain characteristics and traits that people have and possess that will either allow them to be admitted to paradise or if they have another set of characteristics and traits that are of different nature, more of an evil nature, then that will admit them to the hellfire. And I believe any one of you who's listening to me right now, including myself, would not want to even consider Jahannam as an option. While we know that all Muslims will eventually go to Jannah, anyone who dies upon Tawheed will eventually be admitted to paradise. However, they might go through a phase of purification in the hellfire before they get admitted to paradise. I'm sure all of you agree with me that you want to go straight to Jannah you don't want to have any experience with Jahannam whatsoever. You don't want to even hear it. And we know from the Quran that it has zafir. It will have a, a certain type of noise that, you, that people will hear it. Uh, Jahannam will be brought by a, a huge number of angels dragging it. And Jahannam will speak. يَوْمَ نَقُولُ لِجَهَنَّمْ هَلْ امْتَلَأْتِ when we was when Allah Azza wa will say to Jahannam on Yom Al Qiyamah, have you been filled? And we'll say, is, is there any more? Jahannam will speak and it will devour and burn 
over and over again, those who have earned it, those who have actually, those, they strove in their life to enter Jahannam al-Iyadu Billah. You would say, how can someone do this? We say, I'll tell you how. By allowing the shaitan to mislead you and confuse you and distract you from the path of Allah. It is not that people willingly want to enter Jahannam or they willingly want to sin in order to enter Jahannam. It's more like shaitan found a way around it. He either uh, tricked them by telling them you have so many good deeds, so many little, de so many little, little bad deeds. The good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds. You're good to go. Or Allahu Ghafoorur Rahim, Allah's all forgiving, most merciful. And Allah says, Wasi'at rahmati kulla shay. My, my mercy encompasses everything. And they quote certain ayat and certain ahadith from the Prophet that are relevant and that are comforting in this regard. And then they give themselves the green light and the go signal to continue in that path. So there's always a trick. Otherwise, when we take into consideration our actions and the ramifications of our actions, then we will surely make the right decisions. Now, what does that have to do with the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which was narrated to us by Abu Huraira And this hadith is collected in Sahih Muslim. And it's found in other, uh, also in Bukhari and other uh, books of narration. The Prophet وسلم, said, بَدَأَ الْإِسْلَامُ غَرِيبًا وَسَيَعُودُ كَمَا بَدَأَ غَرِيبًا فَطُوبَ لِلْغُرَبَاء This is one narration. In some of the narrations, it adds, قِيلَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ مَنِ الْغُرَبَاء It was said, let me first translate the first part. Islam began as something strange and it will return to being strange as it started. So give glad tidings or give tuba to the strangers. This is one narration. In other narrations, there are additions and continuation of this hadith. It was said to him, O Messenger of Allah, who are the ghuraba? So the Prophet ﷺ proceeded to explain specifically who are the strangers. He said, Those who will be upright those who will be upright and they will rectify when the people become corrupt. One hadith. In another narration and another wording, there will be people that will rectify, that will straighten what the people have corrupted of my sunnah. And then listen to the word love, the third love. Those who revive what the people have uh, what the people have caused to die from my sunnah they will revive from my sunnah what has died among the people the people has caused to die how do they cause the sunnah to die by not adhering to it by not practicing it by not propagating it and then on top of that by incorporating innovations and uh, inventions and additions into the religion that are not from the way of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so much so that there's uh, it's crowded. It's crowded between the sunnah and the bid'ah. And as the scholars say, 
never was a bid'ah introduced except that it took away a sunnah. So the bid'ah, the innovations enter upon us and then the sunan just walk away. Because the sunnah and the bid'ah, they cannot coexist. Just like the Quran and the music cannot coexist in the heart. Those two cannot coexist. They cannot, they're not compatible. They're incompatible. And similarly, sunnah and bid'ah are incompatible. If you go into practice innovations or, or allow innovations or even take them lightly, then you're automatically making a declaration that you have no real genuine interest in the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad And by Allah, I ask you, is this not our condition today? Does this not describe our condition today so accurately that we have become so distant from the sunnah and bid'ah are so overwhelming and so spread that even merely speaking about the sunnah automatically, automatically will uh, categorize you as a person who is, uh, they have a list of names for us. I'm not going to use this opportunity or this event where maybe the first time I'm addressing you brothers and sisters to delve into those more uh, sectarian matters. But enough, enough for now is to understand that this leads to all types of labels being attached and stuck on the people that try to merely adhere to the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad In other words, you become an extremist for simply trying to say, I'm not interested in any innovations. Today, in most of the Muslim world, if you say, Mawlid al-Nabawi, what Mawlid al-Nabawi? There's no such thing. And you shouldn't practice it. You are frowned upon as some individual who came from a completely different planet. Not even a completely different galaxy. Aslan. They presume that you've come from a completely different realm. Not even the realm of mankind and jinn. How dare you? You don't love the Prophet And you're this and you're that. You've become a criminal for saying what? I mean, the Sahaba didn't do it. The Salaf didn't do it. The Tabi'een, Atba'u Tabi'een. I mean, these people didn't know anything called Mawlid Nabawi. Why should I be doing this today? Why should I be practicing this today? And then you could see what kind of reactions. Say to the people that Jum'ah Mubarak is a bid'ah. And then watch what kind of reactions you're going to get. So we are living those times. Now let us, let us look into this hadith uh, a little closely. And let us understand it in a way different than the standard understanding that you get from just merely hearing the wording of the hadith. First and foremost, let us look at the word gharib. Linguistically, gharib is a title that is given to anyone who is a foreigner, any wayfarer, any traveler, any outsider who's not from the local residents is considered a gharib. Gharib fi watanihi. The person who leaves his homeland and goes elsewhere, he's considered to be a gharib. Now, even though that is not the meaning intended in this hadith, this wording and this word will give you insights into how the scholars have analyzed this hadith and understood it. So, for example, among the 
understandings that we get. How do we understand the idea that Islam began as something strange? First of all, the way we look at it is, in the beginning, how many Muslims were there? There were a few. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and Khadija and soon after Abu Bakr and Uthman and those close among the, the, the Sahaba. <clears throat> then there was Islam was very small among the Qurayshis. They were considered to be outlaws. They were considered to be uh, uh, you know, people that have abandoned the religion of their forefathers. And they've left, uh, you know, the, the deen of the uh, uh, the old and the, the ancients and so on and so forth. And they call them, you know, uh, Sabi'een and those who have left the, the, the religion and so on and so forth. And Islam was considered to be a violation of culture, a violation of belief. The invitation to the worship of Allah alone was considered to be something that was innovative has he made the gods a single god this is something amazing this is what the disbeliever said they used to be whenever it was said to them they would be arrogant and they would say are we going to leave our our deities for a crazy poet and if you read the entire Quran, you will see this message being repeated and echoed again and again. How the disbelievers of Quraysh were amazed that there's a person who's telling them to worship Allah alone. He was, they were amazed that there was La ilaha illallah, even though La ilaha illallah coincides with their fitrah. Even though they knew La ilaha illallah. If you were to ask him who created the heavens and the earth, they will say Allah. So Islam was very strange among the people. And then they were so strange that they were not even welcomed in Quraysh. What did the Muslims have to do in the beginning? They had to migrate to Al-Habasha. They went to Abyssinia. And the first migration, which wasn't even uh, a successful one per se. It, it didn't work. They had to come back. The real successful uh, migration happened when they moved and migrated to Medina. And that shows you that the believers had to leave the shirk and the kufr and the oppression and the transgression behind and go away to a place where they can establish themselves. They can establish the deen. And there's a lesson for anyone who is uh, overwhelmed or is overexcited or overzealous about the concept of khilafah and they want khilafah to be established today before tomorrow. These people are trying to arrive at Khilafah in a way that does not agree with the way of the Prophet Because before the Muslims reached that point, they had to go away from where all the problems were and they had to build Tawheed from the ground up. The infrastructure, the foundation had to be firm and sound. And then they raised a generation upon that before they were allowed to go about and establish themselves in the manner in which they did. And we can all agree that we have fallen back. We have fallen back big time. We are not at that stage where we are ready for that. So trying to bypass the same principles and the foundations that the Prophet ﷺ laid down for the establishment of what was a khilafah back then is actually a, is 
ultimate failure and prone to uh, loss. And history proves that. You cannot. Anything that you do that is not in line and not according to the way of the Prophet ﷺ is going to fail. So we tell the people, look man, we have a lot of building to do. We have a lot of studying and teaching to do. I was listening to uh, Brother Da'wa man, Amran bin Mansoor or Mansoor bin Amran. I can never remember which one comes first. So I hope he doesn't uh, get offended by me not remembering which one is which. Al-Muhim Da'wa man is the easiest option. And I heard, I heard some of the questions he's asked. And you could see that, that there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of answers that maybe some people have, the majority of people don't have. And as he said, this is not to, to make you feel bad, but it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to understand our condition. If you want another wake-up call, just go to Salat al-Fajr. Go to Salat al-Fajr, see how many people you will find for Salat al-Fajr versus Jumu'ah, versus Ramadan, versus Taraweeh. Allahu Akbar. You will think that new Muslims came into town that didn't exist before. Look at Ramadan, before Ramadan, after Ramadan, during Ramadan, condition of the Muslims, and you got all the answers that you need. So we need to be at that level or close to that level before Allah Azza wa Jal will give us that establishment on earth. In tansurullah yansurkum wa yuthabbit aqdamakum. If you aid the deen of Allah, Allah will give you victory and will keep your feet firm. There's, there's a process. There's a process we have to follow. We are here at the stage of acquiring knowledge, pure knowledge, tasfiya, cleansing and, and, and cleaning the, the uh, house of Islam from all the dirt of innovation and deviance and shirk, Cleanse, cleansing everything around us, purifying everything around us, the purity of Islam, according to the understanding of the early generations, then tarbiyah, then we have to raise generations upon that understanding of Islam so that the natural consequence of those two will be the success that Allah Azza wa Jal promised the believers and the Muslims. There is no way around it by overthrowing governments and someone taking over and calling himself the Imam of the Muslims and the Khalifa of the Muslims. The next day they will topple him and they will they will overthrow him. The next day, not even not he, he won't even enjoy the same day. Within a day, another sect from among the Muslims, um, the Jama'at Tabligh, Al-Ikhwan, somebody will come and say, Who's this guy? Aslan, what is this aqidah and what is this manhaj and what group does he belong to? Yalla wakhir ya shaykh. Anzil, Allah yarda alayk. We don't even know you and we don't accept you. Deal with it then. And it's, it's gonna be like Every time somebody gets on top, they, and this is what happened in the, in, in, the, in the Muslim world. They overthrew whoever was there, and then when another one came, didn't like him, they overthrew him as well. And it's, it's, it's an ongoing chaos because we're going about things not in the way of the sunnah of the Prophet and, and that is related to the hadith because the ghuraba, if you want to be from this ghuraba, then you, the, the strangers, you have to have this understanding that I'm highlighting right now. That is part of your ghurba. That is part of your ghurba. For you to be among those strangers, you have to have a way of thinking that is not similar to every, bro every brother, every other brother who does not really study Islam or learn Islam from the source. He's just an emotional Muslim going about watching shorts. And, 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 and I, mean, I don't mean shorts like shorts. Somebody's wearing shorts. I mean the shorts on YouTube or, or Instagram. 
and they're watching, uh, you know, reading a tweet from Fulan and tweet from Alan and tweet from Chankaputu Palulu. And then he comes and tells you, ah, Sheikh, this is wrong. Anta your go, you, you, you're a uh, Zandiq and you're a Mubtadi' and you're a Badkhali uh, and you're a bootlicker. And you, Hajj, time out. What's going on? There's a process that you're not following. So fundamentally speaking, for you to be among the strangers, you have to have that understanding. The, the Sahaba had to leave and establish themselves. And similarly, similarly, Islam will go back to this stage. It will go back to that time where they were small in number, meaning with the passage of time, the people upon the Sunnah, the, people, the Muslims will be strangers among the disbelievers. And within the Muslims, the people of Sunnah will be strangers among the other sects of Islam. And then those who call to this will become strangers among the other callers to Islam. And then those who will be constantly attacked and bullied for calling to this will become even the most elite of strangers among them all. So that they will become a minority. So it is not just a matter of number. It's a matter of substance, substance as well. It is not just quantity. It's also quality. So there's many different ways to the scholars have explained this hadith. Uh, all of them basically revolve around the idea that you have to migrate from corruption, from false beliefs, from shirk, from innovation into the area of tawheed and the sunnah. And that is the idea of the strangeness that is being referred to in this hadith. As for Islam going back to being strange as it began, then the scholars say this is around the time of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. This is near the, the last hour, the last day of, of this world. When there's nothing of Islam, there, there will be nothing left. It is at that time when there will be a, a, a minority. The reason why the scholars understood this because it cannot be that Islam will be absent. The Prophet said that they will always be. They will always remain a group of my ummah. They fight. They fight upon the truth and they will be prominent. They will be clear. They will be evident. They'll be on top, victorious until the day of resurrection. So never ever will, will the, uh, the, the light of Islam be extinguished or the truth that Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah propagate will be put out. Never. No matter what the world plots, no matter what conspiracies they have, no matter what uh, uh, planning they do to eradicate uh, the aqidah and the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they will never be able to do so. And in spite of there being many claimants, there are many claimants to this aqidah of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the truth is it could be understood and it has its evidences from the sources for you to differentiate between claimants to aqidah of al-sunnah wal-jama'ah and actual, the actual re real aqidah of al-sunnah wal-jama'ah. And forgive me guys, I'm, uh, I'm not able to, to speak uh, as comfortably as I usually would because it is almost midnight over here. It's 11.55 p.m. So I've had a long day. And so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in being able to articulate my thoughts and my statements. So inshallah, you will pardon me tomorrow. It will be an earlier session and I'll be more fresh and uh, prepared. Uh, 
Let us look into some of the uh, benefits and some of the important aspects of this hadith. First of all, that the Prophet said that those people will be given Tuba. And Tuba, according to the scholars, is a tree in Jannah. It's a tree in Jannah. And some of them say it is Jannah. And some of them say Tuba means from Tayyib, all that which is good. Whichever meaning it is, and when in, in Islam, there's a principle that says if things do not contradict each other in meaning, then all meanings are accepted. If an ayah or a hadith can be explained in multiplicity of ways based on the chosen words, and there is no conflict or contradiction between them, then all meanings can be adopted and understood and accepted. You don't have to say it has to be this one, not that one. So Tuba could be all of those. The second benefit of being among the strangers is that you will be given the reward of 50 of the Sahaba of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because of the hadith of Abu Tha'laba Al-Khashni radiallahu anhu. قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ فَإِنَّ مِنْ وَرَائِكُمْ أَيَّامُ الصَّبْرِ الصَّبْرُ فِيهِنَّ مِثْلُ الْقَبْضِ عَلَى الْجَمْرِ لِلْعَامِلِ فِيهِنَّ أَجْرُ خَمْسِينَ رَجُلًا يَعْمَلُونَ مِثْلَ عَمَلِهِ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَجْرُ خَمْسِينَ مِنْهُمْ قَالَ أَجْرُ خَمْسِينَ مِنْكُمْ And this hadith was narrated by uh, a Tirmidhi. It was uh, Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and it was authenticated by Shaykh al-Albani the patient one among, among them will be like the one who's holding on to burning coal. And he will have, the doer will have the, the reward of 50 of those who do his deeds. I said, oh, message of Allah, 50 from among them, meaning whoever does the deed will have the reward of 50 from among his peers. He said, no, ajru khamsina minkum. No, the reward of 50 of you. So if you hold on to this religion today, your the deed that you do, and of course it will get worse towards the end of time, will be equivalent to 50 of the Sahaba. 50 of the Sahaba. طيب. Does that mean that you will ever become superior or better than the Sahaba? In your dreams. Not happening. It's not going to happen. The fact that you're getting a reward equal to 50 does not make you superior to the person in terms of their virtue and their status. So the Sahaba forever will be the best. Why? Because we have explicit hadith from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi The best of mankind is my generation. Then those who will come after them. Then those who will come after them. And then another hadith about the 30, 73 sects. When he was asked, which sect will be the saved one? Whoever is upon what I am upon today and my companions. Therefore the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam highlighting the superiority of the Sahaba. And he said, Do not verbally abuse my companions. If one of you were to spend the equivalent of the mountain of Uhud in gold, it would not be equal to the Mud or even half of that for one of them. So we already know that the Sahaba are superior. But in terms of reward, you will get the reward of 50 of the Sahaba. And this is something that is quite amazing. Thirdly, you will be among the Ta'ifa al-Mansura. You will be among the Ta'ifa al-Mansura, the saved and aided sect. Because the Prophet وسلم, said that those people will not They will not be harmed by anyone who opposes them until the command of Allah comes and they are in that state. So if you are among the strangers, my brothers and sisters, then you will be among the saved and aided sect. And yes, in Islam, we have a saved and aided sect. The saved and aided sect does not mean it's the name of a masjid or a name of, of an organization or the name of a channel or the name of a website. No, that is not how it works. 
the saved and aided sect is whoever adheres to the principles and the foundations and the guidelines and the directions of the aqidah and the manhaj of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. If you adhere to those and you follow the way of the Salaf al-Salih, then you are among those individuals. As for the names, then a name can be used, but then the person does not live up to the name. Or a name may not be used, but the person is living up to the name and more. So it's not an issue of naming. It is not that once you carry that name tag, then you're saved. That is ludicrous. It's actual work that you have to put forward. It's actual belief that you have to adhere to. It's a whole set of responsibilities that you have to bear for you to qualify to be from the saved and aided sect. It is not mere wishing. It is not wishful thinking. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of studying. It's a lot of acquisition of knowledge. Because today, it's not like back in the day, you know, Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal rahimahullah was sitting in the masjid and you know that Imam Ahmad is the Imam of Ahl Sunnah. So you go sit in the, in the masjid under the Sheikh and you study with him. And khalas, you know that you're getting it from the source. Today you just go on YouTube, type, you know, anything. Type Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, you get all types of deviant websites that describe Allah with things he didn't describe himself with and deny things that Allah described himself with. They deny the description of Allah and they change the Hadith Prophet and they distort it and they distort the Quran and the Sunnah and they lie upon the, the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah and then they call themselves Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The audacity. But this is the average search that you get on, on Google or on YouTube. So now it's become more complicated. So there's a lot, a lot more scrutiny that is expected of you. A lot, a lot more filtering that you need to do. So you can be very selective. Where am I going to take this knowledge from? How am I going to acquire this knowledge? Uh, um, don't take the matter lightly is what I'm saying. Everybody claims that they're from Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah and from the saved and aided sect. But it is not done without the homework being fully delivered on time. And not only that, not only that, the reality of the situation is that some people even deny the fact that it is a sect in that sense. And you cannot, because the Prophet ﷺ said, this, there's a firqa, there's a group of my ummah. So you have to accept the fact that this ummah will divide into 73 groups and only one of these groups will be entitled to enter paradise directly while all the other ones are worthy of the hellfire unless Allah Azza wa wills otherwise. They're still under the maghfirah and the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but in terms of what they've earned, they are, they are worthy of the hellfire. All of these groups that you see today that speak in the name of Islam and the Muslims. So do you understand? the gravity of the matter and how much how much uh, hard work you have to put forward for you to make sure that you're learning the proper islam with the proper belief so that you can meet allah azza wa with the pure tawhid so you can be among the inhabitants of jannah how much shirk is spread among the muslims today in the name of modernism and the name of uh, you know following the, this madhab or that school of thought or that sheikh or that uh, uh, madrasa you know what I'm saying and you know exactly what I'm talking about furthermore uh, among the benefits that Sheikh Al-Sam mentions he said وَلَا يَقْتَدِ هَذَا أَنَّهُ إِذَا صَارَ غَرِيبًا أَنَّ الْمُتَمَسِّكَ بِهِ يَكُونُ فِي شَرٍ بَلْ هُوَ أَسْعَدِ النَّاسِ 
كما في تمام الحديث فطوبة للغرباء وطوبة من الطيب شيخ رسام المتابية said and the fact that the hadith mentions that does not necessitate that the one who's holding on to this religion because the hadith says holding on to the other hadith says that he's as though he's holding on to a burning coal the sheikh said that does not mean that he will be in a state of evil rather he will be among the happiest of people he will be among the happiest of people so if you want to be among the strangers, if you want to be among the strangers, just to give you some examples, the stranger is the one who is praying in the jama'ah while the people are praying elsewhere at home or not praying in the masjid at all. The stranger who is the one who calls on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, without screaming and without singing the dua while the rest of the people are falling into innovation and in even the way that they supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The strangers are those who still adhere to the Islamic dress code and the women cover themselves up and they fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this regard while women generally in the world have lost their marbles and wearing all kinds of things that... that should that no human should even wear in the first place the strangers are those people that while you know the entire family is upon all types of falsehood they are still trying to adhere to the deen of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all the shortcomings that we have they are the, the stranger the uh, uh, strangers are those when music is being played they make it a point to eliminate this music if they're in a place where they can tell the people to turn it off, they tell them to turn it off. If it is within their own walls, their own homes, then they make sure that no music is being played at home. Strangers are those who don't be hanging pictures of their family on the wall so that the angels don't enter the house anymore. Strangers are those who don't have dogs walking around the house because the angels also don't enter if there's a dog in the home. The strangers in this day and time are those who Know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to his names and attributes that he described himself within the Quran and they do so knowing that there's nothing like unto Allah and he's all hearing, all seeing. And they do so without saying how, without likening Allah to his creation, without denying this the meaning. The strangers in this day and time are those who don't shy away from the reality of Islam. Those who when they give da'wah, they don't sugarcoat and they don't compromise and they don't water down and they don't, they don't come up with a new version of Islam that is more compatible and more agreeable and more digestible to the disbelievers. The strangers in this day and time are those who say, this is Islam. You like it, congratulations, good for you. You have a ticket to paradise. You may make it, you may not. And if you don't like it, then you basically have a ticket to Jahannam. Go ahead. I don't want you to go to Jahannam and neither do I. But I'm not going to change the deen of Allah to make you happy. I will not. I don't dare. I will not dare try to say anything that I know is not part of Islam in order to make it a, a non-Muslim happy. No matter what that thing might be. Those are the strangers. Look at the da'wah scene today. Depending on who you ask. Yeah, Sheikh, you can hear everything under the sun. Everything under the sun could be heard of, of uh, deviant opinions. 
denying the Prophet ﷺ marriage to Aisha, denying slavery in Islam, denying concubinage in Islam, denying women's uh, dress code in Islam, denying polygyny in Islam, denying whatever, any war in Islam, warfare in Islam, fighting in the cause of Allah, which has all kinds of uh, regulations and, and details and restrictions, nevertheless, it's part of the deen. Not the way the people are doing it today. They just go out, make a fraction, go bomb somewhere, kill a bunch of innocent people and say, Allahu Akbar, this is Islam. Those are criminals and terrorists that are tarnishing the image of Islam so that nobody misunderstands my speech. But at the end of the day, your job is to deliver the message of Islam as is. If the people accept it, alhamdulillah, if they don't accept it, they got a problem with Allah. These people have a problem with Allah. You think they're not going to have a problem with you? When you when you try to explain a misconception and they don't they don't understand it, they don't comprehend it. These people don't even understand or comprehend Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You think they're going to comprehend a matter from His religion? You have to understand those things, so that when you're representing Islam, you just say it as it is. This is the Deen of Allah Azza Wa Jal. These are the strangers in this day and time. The strangers are those who are keen. On raising their children upon this uh, uh, aqidah, upon this religion. They're keen. They strive. They make efforts. It's not perfect. And there's a lot of challenges. And it's very difficult. Wallahi, ask any, any father, any mother, any parents. It's very difficult to raise children in this day and time. In this world of, of gadgets and, and electronics and social media. Nevertheless, it's your job. If you want to be a stranger, then you have to be close. Keep a close eye on what's going on. Keep everybody in check. You have to audit and monitor. Moderate what's going on. Otherwise, whew, things will get out of hand. And there's, you, you can't control them anymore. If you're going to be lazy about it, then you're not going to be among the strangers. So the title of being a strange among the strangers is one that is actually very difficult to acquire. But it is easy to the one who strives. It is easy for whomever Allah Azza wa Jal makes it easy for. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates this. To whomever he facilitates it for the one who strives. Those who strive in our cause, we shall guide them to the path. And forever Allah Azza wa Jal is with those who are excellent. Those who excel, Allah will always support them and make things easy for them. Uh, when did I start? Let's see. 38 minutes. Okay. Because I don't want to go to the brother's time. And, and then he has to wait for me to finish. So I will, I will conclude. I will conclude. In summary, this hadith is a hadith that brings hope and happiness to the Muslims. This hadith is a glad tidings from the Prophet ﷺ that just like Islam went through some difficult time in the beginning and then it became prominent and dominant, similarly, Islam will return to that stage and to that state. You and I simply want to be part of that process. Our mere hope and objective and goal is that we want to be part of this lovely process. We want to be involved in that rebirth, in that sense, in that reestablishment of Islam 
according to the way of the righteous predecessors. There, ha there has to be people that lay down those foundations. They will always be there. And you want to be one individual in that big process. You don't want to miss this opportunity. You don't want to miss the train and watch the people go. And you're like, hey, please come back and take me. The train is not coming back. You need to jump on board right now. And for you to jump on board, for you to be part of it, that means you have to start looking at life differently. Life is not getting married and having a great job and earning a bunch of degrees and making sure that you're settled and you're comfortable. And then what? whenever free time you have, yeah, I will give that to Islam. No, 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 no. You have to change that format. The format is, I'm living in this world for X amount of years. Soon I'm going to depart. And when I depart, I'm going to meet Allah. I want to make sure that I go to paradise. I want to make sure that I go to Jannah. I want to go to Firdaus. I want to be with the Prophet وسلم, and the Sahaba and the, and the Anbiya and the Salihin, the Shuhada in, in, in the life to come. What do I have to do in order to be among them? Can I be the average Muslim? No, unfortunately for you, you cannot. You have to be from the Ghuraba. You have to be from the strangers to, to fit among these elite. This means your priorities are changing. So you put Islam forward. You put Islam forward. You put Islam first. And then the other things will come. I promise. Wallahi. If you were to put Islam first, Allah will give you whatever Allah knows is good for you. And whatever Allah doesn't give you, say Alhamdulillah that you didn't get it. You will be happy with whatever Allah gives you. Believe me. Believe me. Try. Start with putting Islam first and watch everything fall into in place. It's like a puzzle being put together. Every piece of the puzzle will come and fit where it belongs. Your job is to always prioritize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and live according to those guidelines and everything will follow. If you, however, mess it up and you put the world and the dunya first and you leave behind and you turn it back against the Quran and the Sunnah, you will not be able to make it. You will not make it. Not only will you be disqualified for being among the Ghuraba, you might even fall into these other sects and therefore we might be, you know, in, Astaghfirullah, we don't even want to go there. We don't want to even think about Jahannam and its, its punishment. So, make sure that you make the proper selection and make sure that you set the record straight. Make sure that you prioritize now when you're alive, right now, this very minute. This very minute, say, okay, khalas, what are my problems? I'm listening to music, uh, haram, uh, I'm looking at haram, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, my, my earning is, is from unlawful means, I'm going to change all of that. I'm going to start a new page today where I'm going to, I'm going to implement and manifest we hear and we obey your forgiveness, our Lord, to you is our return. This is this is your, your slogan. This is your slogan. Everything. But the people will say about you and they will call you names and they will slander you and they will belittle you. Okay, no problem. I will still obey the Prophet. But today, the people and da da da, the countries, the governments, okay, are you done? Are you happy now? Are you satisfied? Okay, I will still obey the Prophet. Inshallah, you continue for hundreds of years, complain and try to divert from the Sunnah. We will never, 
this is, should be your, your attitude. I will never abandon the sunnah. If I know this is from the deen of Allah, wallahi, I will stick to it and adhere to it even if the entire world was to confront me and oppose me and speak ill about me, more power to you. Bravo. Last day, we will sort it out. But until then, I'm sticking to what I know is the truth. And don't you ever think that the truth is difficult to find. Oh, brother, it sound, sounds nice and sounds lovely, but in reality, we don't know where to find it. No way, Habibi. No way. Allah Azza wa Jalla has already told us that this Quran and the Sunnah are clear and the guidance is from Allah Azza wa Jalla. All over the Quran. Read any ayah of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will guide you to this. This Quran will guide you to that which is most straight. And the Prophet sallallahu taught us everything. How to use the bathroom. How to clean ourselves. How to eat. What to say before we eat. What to say after we eat. Everything has been told. You think, you think he's going to leave the matters of aqidah and, uh, and tawheed ambiguous? Wallahi, there's nothing ambiguous about them. There's nothing ambiguous about them. They're all clear like the sun. It's just that the people want to confuse you. And if you don't, if you're not sincere, then you will follow the crowd and you follow the majority. And Allah Mustaan, you know the situation of the majority. So that would be uh, the uh, end of my talk for today. Uh, uh, in order to maintain the time limits and not overtake the, the brother who's supposed to be behind me. Uh, or after me, I'm sorry, not behind me. Uh, you know, when, when an Arab tries to speak English and English is not his mother language, you can hear all kinds of, <laughs> you can hear all kinds of, you know, mistakes. So you guys have to cut me some slack. If I were to give this lecture in Arabic, I think I'll be a lot more comfortable. But anyways, English does the job for now. Alhamdulillah. Yalla, zakum la khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.